0: Good morning morning. Uh, with Pastor David, I welcome you to Rivermont this morning as you open your Bibles or one of the few Bibles to Ephesians chapter one. We'll be exploring verses three to six as we begin this new sermon series and celebrating the beauty of our salvation in Christ, the order of salvation. Now, if you meditate on this first chapter of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, And I encourage you to do that this afternoon if you haven't done so already. I think you'll discover a chorus of praises to God for all that He has done for us in Jesus Christ. You'll hear this chorus. To the praise of the glory of His grace. To the praise of the glory of His grace. To the praise of the glory of His grace. And what is striking in these verses is somewhat unique as Paul, as Paul speaks to us as the grace of God, and it's unique in this sense. In many of his other Pauline passages, Paul begins with men and women and their need of God in their sinfulness. Yet here the apostle begins with a different perspective altogether. Not so much from our point of view, our need of grace because of sin, but rather from God's point of view. He begins not with me and my need so much as with God and His eternal plan. Now, Paul wants to sweeten our spiritual test buds to taste that the grace of God in Jesus Christ that has touched my life in the present day is rooted in the very heart and purposes, purposes of God from before the foundation of the world. Even before there was a day. God chose His people in Christ as His election before the foundation of the the world in love. He predestined us to adoption as His children. We are chosen for His glory to the praise of the glory of His grace. Please hear now the reading of God's word. This is Ephesians chapter one, verses three to six. to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Let us pray. Our Father, as we come before you with our burdens and joys, we pray that for a moment you would unburden our hearts that we might focus upon the things of greatest importance that you have given to us in Jesus Christ. Oh, come Holy Spirit. Make known to us the meaning of these great words and write them upon our hearts for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, today's theme regarding salvation is God's election. Now, two introductory remarks. First of all, I want you to think with me and kind of realize that all of the Bible is about election. It's true. For it was God who chose that there would be a world and not I. It was God who chose to save a people in His mercy for Himself and not those people. It was God and not I who chose to send His Son to be my Savior. And it was God and not I, the Bible says, that chose me for His grace and mercy in eternal life. Now, if you understand the message of the Bible in its most basic form, you need to understand that grace begins not with your choice of God in Christ, as wonderful as faith and repentance are, but rather with the grace of God's choice to you in Jesus. And when this grips the depth of your heart, guess what happens? You erupt in praise. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bless His holy name. Now that's the first introductory remark. Second, normally, when we think about blessing, we think primarily of what we receive. Primarily what we receive from the Lord. We are the ones that get blessed by Him. We don't often use the language of our blessing the Lord in reverse. Yet we really should. As a matter of fact, if you remember our call to worship from the Psalms, we proclaimed, I will extol the Lord, my God and King. And look at this and bless your name forever and ever. To the last verse in our call to worship, all your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. And of course, you're familiar with David's Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless your holy name. And you may ask, well, how do we bless the Lord? Well, our Greek text here helps us answer the question. This word bless is eulagos. Does that sound familiar? Eulagos. Eulogy. Eulogy. Eulogy is a word that we get for the word blessing. You means good or well. Logos means word or speech. So it's a good word, a good speech. So we eulogize the Lord. We speak well of him for he is good. Where do we do this? Well, we speak well of Him to His face in praise and in prayer. We render unto Him in worship the glory, the dominion, the authority, the power, the blessing that He alone deserves. We praise Him in worship. But secondly, where where else do we eulogize the Lord? We speak well of Him when we go out of the doors of the church. We speak well of Him to the world. world. That's called evangelism. Is called representing the Lord as an ambassador. We speak well of Him for He reigns. And again, He is a good and marvelous God. So by means of introduction, we bless the Lord for we are chosen for His glory to the praise of the glories of His grace. And now we get into some specifics. For here we see that there are blessings and purposes and joys of this election. Now if you notice what Paul is doing here. As we think of blessings. That he first mentions some general things. About what it is to enjoy blessings in Christ. Note again the frame. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us in Christ. With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now we exalt this God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is only in Christ that He has performed all the redeeming work of His sons and daughters for His people. It is in Christ that every blessing is to be found. And it unfolds here in this first chapter. Our election. Redemption by His blood. Sealing by the Holy Spirit. A glorious inheritance waiting for us. A guaranteed unity with the Lord God Almighty. His eternal plan for all eternity. All these are blessings and we have them all. Our blessings, note, though, come from the heavenly places where Christ has been exalted to the right hand of God. Later here in Ephesians 1, he is above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And all things are under his feet. He has been given headship over all things, including the church, which is the body, the fullness of Him who fills in all. So blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We exalt Him. But notice here, as we think about blessings, there is this particular blessing that He chose us before the foundation of the world. He chose us. Let that sink in. He chose you, if you know Jesus Christ, in the glory of His Son, the ultimate elect one, so that you too will be elect in Jesus Christ. You are chosen. This is God's election of His people. And just so you don't miss this blessing, it is unconditional. Why do I say this? Well, because it occurred when? Before the foundation of the earth. Chosen before space and time. God's people chosen in a timeless eternity before the worlds were made. Now why does Paul say this? Well, I think he wants us to know that our biblical election is not based on any performance. How could it be? It was done before the worlds were made. The decision was made. How could it depend on what you and I are able to accomplish. You know, most of us, though, in the experience of our journey on this earth, well, we experience being chosen at different levels. Now, recently, I've talked to a number of couples who are engaged to be married. And at some point, I ask this question. uh, I often will start with uh, the lady. What is it that really attracts you to your future husband? And I often hear these responses. Well, he's become my best friend. Well, he really is kind. Thankfully, of course, he is spiritually alive. And I want to marry a man like that. Well, these are good reasons for a woman to choose a man. Do you hear that? There's some choice in response And trust. Or how about this? Some of you know, and I'm thinking about some of my background, I'm unlike Pastor David, who used to play on the basketball team, but I remember going to the basketball court, waiting for a game of pickup, waiting for people to call out my name, and waiting. (laughs) And waiting. And I began to think, oh, does this not feel great? And I thought, well, why would I be so delayed in being chosen it was because they knew how i played basketball (laughs) i mean the reality is i was not that great of a basketball player it was a choice based on my performance in the past some of you though you know what it is to work through hiring folks and you just don't blindly go into that process without trying to Think about past performance as an indicator for future work. What are we doing? We are wanting people that will score points. We want people that will perform well tomorrow. So when you're trying to hire people, it reflects something that is true of all of life. All of life is about that performance except for one relationship. It's the only one you've got that has nothing to do with your past record or your ability to produce in the future nothing. As a matter of fact, it's contrary to your record and it's contrary to the likelihood that you will do anything noteworthy in the future. We bless the Lord for His unconditional election Because if he chose me without any reference to anything good in my life, I know that he will continue to deal with me in such profound grace and love. So we sing Amazing Grace. Why? There's nothing within us that would warrant his choice of you and me except what he has predetermined to do. It's unconditional. To the praise of the glory of His grace. Now when we are chosen for His glory, just know there are these blessings of election. But secondly, they are now purposes of election here in this text. You know, we read this and we are chosen before the foundation of the world. Chosen for His glory. Why? Well, it's right here. That we would be holy and blameless before Him. Now, why is this important? Well, some people might mistakenly say that if God has unconditionally chosen his people, we are free to live lives that will wreak havoc with license to sin all over the place. And here you see the apostles say, no, this election is purposeful. You are elected. You're set apart that you might be holy and blameless and the very God who has reached into your life and has called you unto Himself. You know, it's wonderful. The same infinite, eternal, and unchangeable manner and power in which He has elected you is the same infinite, eternal, and unchangeable power that will keep you in His grip for all eternity. It's the same God The same grace. Hallelujah. We bless Him. It's amazing to me when we think of election. What God has done. To send His Son to die for you. To send the Spirit to change your heart. Now if you are the elect one with Jesus Christ, He will change your heart to believe in Him. To respond in faith and repentance. And you will love Him. Over your life, not perfectly, the sight of heaven, but you will love him, but you will become holy and blameless to the day that you see him face to face. God elects his people in order to be called out of our broken and sinful world, to be holy and blameless, to be presented to him finally on that day as his holy people. Now also note though, oh this is marvelous. In love, he predestined us to adoption through Jesus Christ. You know, you see this word predestined six times in the Bible by the Apostle Paul. And each time you will find that we are predestined to the conformity of Jesus Christ. We see it all over the scriptures, but he does this or and he does this in love. Now, this addresses so many misunderstandings in the minds of Christian people. Because sometimes we feel uncomfortable with the peculiar chosenness of God. We may try to assign to God some egalitarian qualities that don't actually belong to him. Since we think that everything should be democratic and egalitarian, we think God should be democratic and egalitarian. And friends, this is not the God of Scripture. We do not define or limit His character or His action. He does. Rather, He has, and boy, this sometimes amazes me, a peculiar people of His own making. That's biblical. Dear family, though, notice what the Apostle Paul says here. We have been elected, but not elected primarily for service. Now, I've heard this. Oh, elections in the Bible, but it's to, as we respond to Christ, He's elected us to go out and serve. But notice that this election ends in this predestination for sonship, or it moves towards that. And you know, I've thought about this a little bit. How would it be if you were a child and someone wants to adopt you because they say, well, we really need you to serve. I need you to help out in the yard. So I'm going to adopt you. (laughs) Well, of course, parents sometimes need an extra hand in the yard. We do. But that's not the reason why parents adopt children. We adopt children because we love them and we want to live life with them. We want to bless them and encourage them. Do you realize what God is saying? That before all time and before all space, God elected a people because He wanted them to be holy and blameless and eventually to become His children in love. It's an amazing thing. We have been adopted out of the love of our God with all the rights of being His child. And Paul is saying to us, the Word of God, this is what God has done for you from all eternity before you were born and conceived. He chose you. He chose you in Christ. Bless His name for the glory of His grace. Now in dealing with the purposes of salvation and election, And this is beginning to move to our third point, our final point, but there's really still part of the purpose. There is great hope in evangelism. Some say that if God has chosen His own people before the foundation of the world, there would be no need for me to witness for Jesus Christ to speak the gospel. But how do we know that that's not true? Well, the Bible tells us. The very one who has appointed the means of salvation, who has done this before the foundation of the world, has also provided the means, which is our gospel proclamation. Praise God. He gives us the blessing to eulogize Him, to share the Word of God, and praise God that evangelism will be effective. Why? Because it's not left up to me. It's left up to God. Oh, we are free to share the Gospel in joy. And yes, there's tension. You pray for family members, loved ones. You pray, pray, pray. But you share, share, share. And you leave the results in God's hand. Now we come as a chosen people for His glory. From blessings to purposes. To the joys of our you know, there are a number of very practical applications of being chosen by the Lord. The first one is simply this If I really understand that my faith is not based in the frailty of my choosing Jesus Christ, but rather in God Almighty, it produces in me a deep, deep stability and security. You know, it's one thing, I've I've thought about this, and this is not a commercial, but I have thought about how many of us attempt to trace our roots through something like Ancestry.com. And it's fascinating to me to enjoy the discovery of some things, like I love the fact that one of my great-great-great-grandfather and grandmother way back there came to North Carolina in the central part of the state back in the 1700s, and they eventually established the Cox Mill on the Cape Fear River, And I know that all that is there at that location is a little Coast Guard surveying system that monitors now the rise and fall of the Cape Fear River. But that's part of my roots. I kind of like that. I kind of like knowing that. And yet, what's most important is that from all eternity, before we came to know the Lord, He chose you. That's our great, great stabilizing factor in our roots of salvation. It is incredible what kind of stability that creates for us. That we don't just marvel in the fact that we've been raised, some of us have been fortunate to be raised in a Christian home or family. As wonderful as that is. No, we celebrate that our roots are rooted back in the purposes of God and His eternal counsel of His will long before the world began. And dear family, that is stable and secure. But it's not only something that creates stability and roots, it also creates humility. Now think about this. The reason that election produces humility in one sense is because it will drive the last nail in the coffin of my pride. For as long as I think that I contribute 95 or 97 or 99.99% of my salvation to the Lord, as long as I can say that there's a little bit that I do to control my salvation, I'll be a happy man and I'll be a proud man. Yet when we realize that my need for my salvation is so great that there are no natural resources in my past, in my family, in my natural ability to save me, I begin to understand that all the reasons of salvation is totally of Him and His grace to me. Gospel humility brings liberty. I'm not depending upon myself. I am depending upon what God has done and for what He will do in the Gospel. It's glorious. And notice that from this wondrous bit of security and humility, I pray that you realize it's something that we see here at Rivermont. It will produce in us great doxology and praise as it did for the Apostle Paul. I thank You, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that in Jesus all this is true. Bless me, the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. For God gives grace. A grace that we don't deserve. But a grace that He has chosen to extend to us. And notice in verse 6 at the very end, in the beloved. In the Lord Jesus Christ. It's another echo of our union with Him. Knowing that it was in the Beloved that sins were punished upon the cross. It's in the Beloved that we have salvation as He rose from the dead and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. It is in the Beloved that we trust in Him for the forgiveness of sins and the abundance of righteousness. Praise God for the glory of His grace. Oh, the great test upon our spiritual test buds this morning. Oh, how does it taste for you when you understand how long He has loved you? when you understand how patiently He has waited and planned for you, how does it taste to you when you understand how tenderly He has sought you and when you understand how very, very much He loves you, you erupt into praise to the glory of His grace. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, please hear our blessing to you. Blessed be you for all of your grace, for all your wonderful character that are so beautifully displayed in all that is before us. Thank you for the one, the elect one, the Lord Jesus Christ that you sent to us, that in him we are chosen and loved for all eternity. And, O Father, we pray that we may spend all of eternity blessing your holy name through Jesus Christ, the beloved. Amen.